I get bailed up in the street by people and they're like, I know that you did not watch that game of football. Yeah. There's just hordes of people coming up to us in the streets. <laughs> when I go for my walk around here at night, sometimes it's like, oh, I just got to put my sunnies on, headphones in, just pretend there's no one beeping their horns at me. And, hey, that's the night shift football guy, you know? <laughs> that's why you got to walk at night because it's less populous. Yeah, I just sometimes I don't know if we should keep doing this pod because I just can't handle the attention and I was the, the fame at, we're getting. It's a bit the much. Other, the other day I was looking at like custom polo shirts just to see if I get like a black polo with a night shift logo on it. And I was on my laptop just doing it. And Steph was like, he was like, you're going to get them so people know that like you're the guys that do the podcast. And I was like, no, I'm going to get them so people look at the shirt and go, <laughs> oh, what's that? And then they know about the podcast. <laughs> yeah. <because of> <laughs> I don't want people to know that I do the pod. I want people to know about the pod. <laughs> Welcome to the Night Shift Football Podcast, episode 135. It's been a cracking couple of weeks in the Premier League. Tonight, we'll look at both match days from the last week, including a thriller at Kenilworth, a pair of heavyweight knockoffs at Villa Park, the demise of Newcastle, and the unexpected goal machine of Fulham. Alrighty, here we go. Uh, once again, joined by Tommy. How you going, man? I'm good. I'm good, my guy. How you doing? I'm bloody excellent. Football's been great. Cooper's here as well. Say hello, Cooper. Hello, Sammy. Oh, Sammy. Okay, you've never said you've never called me Sammy before. It's caught me off guard. Oh, he's getting I... a little bit too comfortable. Yeah, he's he's really happy with his place. He says goodbye at the end of the pods now as well. I don't That's know weird. if either of you listen to listen back to the episodes we record, but I actually cut off his goodbye last week because it was too weird. <laughs> too out of place. Too weird. It, was, it was really yeah. delayed. Tommy, I'm going <laughs> to go to you first this week because you are in charge of our fantasy team. And today there have been widespread calls in the footballing community for you to be sacked from this position. Um, those calls coming from yourself, mainly. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> we got 16 points on the weekend. There are some teams that got 13 and 15 in our league, so we weren't the worst. But hey. 16, do you have anything to say for yourself? Because you've used our wild card too, haven't you? I just I this is I just think this is so typical of you media types. Yep. To come sniffing around for a story when you know there's the slightest bit of turmoil, confected turmoil. Where were you? Two match weeks ago when we were scoring 70s and 80s. Uh, you did ask to be sacked is all, you know. I can only go by that information. We sit 36th out of 44th, out of 44 in our hey, own league. It's not relegation. Is that what we're doing? We're like like Burnley. I, no, I really want to. Sean Dyche Burnley. No, not, not Burnley because they're still in jeopardy. I really want to like Nottingham Forest our way through this season. Yeah, lovely. All right. Uh, Cooper, I'm going to come to you now. You're a Liverpool fan. What is your relationship with uh, Michael Owen? Because I don't know if anyone's seen this this week, but there's the clip going around of Michael Owen. He's on a podcast with, um, is it um, someone Jordan? I can't remember his name. Joe Jordan. I don't know. Someone Jordan. Um, He talks about throwing an apple in the bin and having the bravery to do it. And 
not being worried about staining the wall with apple and getting yelled at by his mom and then his dad was approved. And he's telling it like it's th- there's a really jarring seriousness to it that tells you that this is like he has the knack for gold because he was okay with throwing apples at the bin when he was a kid. Yeah, um, look, I was pretty good at throwing things into the bin from a distance when I was a kid and I was yeah. a pretty, pretty fucking average footballer in comparison to Michael Owen, <laughs> so I'm not... Not convinced he's that switched yeah, on. Yeah, but yeah, but Coop, were you throwing apples? What were you throwing exactly? Because there must be something about the substance, the way that it drips down the wall that creates the jeopardy of which his mum's going to belt him for it. Yeah, something about the way that his mum used to beat him that just <laughs> drove him to be a professional. <laughs> it's the way he, like, I feel like this is the sort of story it would be funny on a pod if it was tongue-in-cheek kind of thing, but I, you get the feeling this guy's dead serious. Yeah, the way oh, he said, yeah. the way he looked at the camera and said that back in the day he would have done anything for a nod of approval or a cheeky wink from his old boy, it makes me a little bit worried about the home life that, is, that he had if he was after after that kind of approval from his dad and getting beat by his mum. So this is a, it's a different kind of pot, isn't it? <laughs> ring the ring the charms for poor Mickey O. That's a, it's a different <laughs> level. Uh, there was also a bit in this uh, his little interview where uh, I guess I'll ask you both about this, but. Tommy, you shared this in the group chat this morning. It's a little clip of Michael Owen again talking more nonsense. This is the guy that um, in punditry says things like they simply don't win enough games when they don't score a goal, that kind of thing. And here he is today. He's talking about um, that the lack of skill these days and all the players back then had proper skill. And now all it is is guys who are fast and can run. What do you make of that? Well, he's number one, he's not wrong about the goal thing. I mean, it's... I mean, it's a fact, right? Number two, potentially, like there's a lot of guys in top-level English football that are there purely for their athleticism. And, you know, 20 years ago, they were, it wasn't such a sought-after commodity. Like you would probably rather have a tackler or a passer in your team. But if you've got a guy that can run, you know, cover crazy kilometres over a game and, you know, can adequately knock the ball around, you're far better off than someone who's less mobile. Sure. I don't I just don't think the like there is a difference in like his point was kind of that you don't see players like Burkamp and that anymore. I just think mm. it's a, an outrageous thing to say. Who would you say is most like Burkamp now? Uh unsure. But there's so many skillful players. There's so much skill mm. out there involved. You can't you can't just play at this game. I would say to what you're saying, um, in that it seems like there's more players with more athleticism, or maybe more players with more athleticism. Yeah. I don't think that correlates with a drop off in skill. I still think it's it's there. Um, it's just that uh, training has changed over the years. Sports science has changed so much, and I think athleticism has maybe just caught up with skill level. Yeah. Um. If I could throw my two cents in, I think absolutely. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, that's maybe, why we pay you. <laughs> I think maybe um, yeah, you pay me two cents and I'm throwing it back. Um, <laughs> now, maybe athleticism is so sought after these days because it's something that it gives these players an edge and, and puts them ahead because there's so many guys in, in the top flights and professional leagues now that can do the same things on a skill level that other players can. So if you're more athletic, you can jump higher, you can run faster, but you can also do the same things these other guys can do. It's putting you ahead of the game. And maybe that wasn't necessary 20 years ago because there wasn't as many pure footballers then as he thinks there was and in comparison to what there is now. Yeah, no, I can't. I can't disagree with that. It's a it's a perception thing. At the end of the day, it's whether or not 
I mean, I kind of agree with what you said as well. Yeah. If everyone's as skillful as one another, then of course the guy that can run further is going to be the one that gets picked. Yeah, definitely. Um, it reminds me of like the, we keep hearing ex-Australian cricketers now that come out and criticize the team for, you know, <laughs> so good. those guys were really good. So, and these guys aren't as good as we were, like it's that kind of vibe. Smoking darts yeah. in between overs. <laughs> it's just the old, everything was better in my day trick. And it's just yeah. simply not the case. Tom, uh, my favorite Michael Owenism of late that you might enjoy is on the weekend after the comeback against Palace. Michael Owen said that Liverpool are the most dangerous team in the Premier League this year because to stop them from winning the title, you're going to have to beat them. And to beat <laughs> them, you're going to have to outscore them. And now, I'm not sure if Michael realises how that. football works, but to beat any team in a game of football, you have to outscore them. Yeah. It's just, I just, how can you say that he's wrong, though? You can't, but it's not what we're looking for, is it? It's like I mentioned earlier, that one of the first bits of punditry from him that I remember hearing was him I can't remember which team it was. I just remember him saying they tend to not win many of the games where they don't score a goal. And I was like, "No, yeah, well, checks out, I guess. <laughs> Illuminati confirmed. Like, get your tinfoil hats out. No goals, you know the, no points. Ooh. You know the, the famous uh, Australian listeners will know the famous Dennis Cometti line where he said that if you're not adding anything to the moment, don't say anything. And I think Michael <laughs> Owen's entire punditry career is based off not adding anything to the moment but continuously talking. <laughs> he just doesn't stop. Um, let's talk about some football games. Uh, it's been a fantastic couple of weeks. We talked last week, we named our episode Goals Galore because there were just so many goals. I feel like not as many goals. Um, in the last two rounds that have happened, but still some brilliant football being played. I'm really enjoying it. Um, I sent you guys a bit of a rundown. We're not going to go, usually we would go through the games chronologically. I feel like this week, uh, we often neglect the midweek games, but this week, I feel like the midweek games last week were just too good to not talk about. So we're going to go by club and talk about the results. Now, there will be some overlap, obviously, because, you know, they're playing two games in a week and there's a bit of overlap with the teams playing each other. Um, the first one I want to talk about is the big boy. We'll kick it off with the biggest the biggest boys of the league, Aston Villa at the moment. Uh, home wins against City 1-0 and Arsenal 1-0. Uh, where are we at with Villa and what do we make of their, their last, their, these six points that they've just picked up? Yeah, they um they pulled the pants off City. Um before obviously going to Arsenal, but absolutely... Oh, home against Arsenal too. I don't think we've seen home against Arsenal. I don't think we've seen a team do City this badly since Pep arrived in the Premier League. I'm not convinced it's actually happened. Um, Two shots all game, both on target, both within 30 seconds of each other for City. Um, A Haaland shot from just inside the box, say pretty comfortably, Martinez... Uh, recycled for a header, uh, shot on target, and a really good save from Martinez. But that was the only moment, that 30-second glimpse was the only moment that City had in in 90 minutes of football. And Aston Villa were, I mean, they got a lucky goal in the end, a massive deflection, but they deserved it. They were such value for this result. Yeah, just I was going to just interrupt quick because on the what you said about um, City getting done and Pep getting done, it seriously was uh, such an anomaly that there's all these crazy stats that come out. Like Pep's managed 535 league games in Europe's big five divisions. Um, what Villa did to him, that was the most shots his side have faced in the first half of any of those games, which was 13. Joint most shots his side has faced in any of the matches, 22. And the joint fewer shots his side have attempted in any of those 535 matches with two, just two shots. Incredible. Um, what is it Villa are doing right? Right, uh, right, right now, 
Um, we talked a little bit about this squad the last few weeks, and we've always, I guess, been big fans of this squad on paper. And we talked about Bailey last week keeping keeping Diaby out the team, who came here and uh, came to the league and set on fire early. Um, they just seem to be cooking in all the right spots. They've got a wicked defensive line, two clean sheets against two of the top seed teams. Yeah. Um, sorry, Tommy, go for it. I was just going to say that what they did in both of these games is they dished up two completely different performances. In that, yeah. you know, against City, they absolutely blitzkrieged them and they were after them. And, you know, they scored later in the game, so maybe they couldn't have tried to enact what they did against Arsenal. But just, you know, to have that adaptability um, in order to beat the like best clubs in this league, uh, it's wildly impressive. Yeah, I wanted to talk selection because this is a big, massive tick for Unai Emery. Um we spoke about Nicolo Zaniolo uh, a few weeks ago, and then we touched, uh, I believe, last week's podcast about he'd been really disappointing, and yeah. Leon Bailey had been so impressive as well as um, as well as Musa Diaby. So we thought that we'd be seeing more of Bailey in the starting eleven with Diaby yeah. and with Ollie Watkins. But what we've seen in this game is an adaptable formation that changed in between offense and defense from Villa. With Yuri Tillemans coming into the side for, for Nicolas Zaniolo and Bailey getting a start over Diaby. Um, Tillemans almost playing next to Watkins at times when they had the ball, um, but dropping in and just stacking a midfield four against this team and, and giving Leon Bailey and Ollie Watkins space up top to be outlet runners when they did get the ball. It just worked so well. Um, Tillemans, we spoke about, we weren't sure why he hadn't been playing that much football. He's been excellent in both of these games, but. John McGinn is such an underrated player in the Premier League too. Um, Absolutely. Douglas Louise is <laughs> if if Villa don't finish in a top four slot this season, I'll be surprised to not see Douglas Louise playing for a Champions League outfit next season. And Bubaka Kamara has been a, a great addition to this team as well. They've yeah, just and he was a free. Yeah, free transfer. This selection from Emery has just been unbelievable. I think it's um the the thing about Louise, he's definitely he's been linked to everybody at the moment. Um it's one of those that you, you they're like just stay, just stay with Villa and like build something. Don't go and lose yourself to one of these big clubs. And you know, if Villa can make Champions League football, he doesn't have to go anywhere. Um, so hopefully that's what it is. Um, I th- T- Tillemans is a funny one because that's this is one of Emery's only signings basically in this team. Mm. This is essentially the team Stephen Gerrard built. And what was Stevie doing? What was Stevie doing? I don't, I mean, there's a few guys in this lineup that Stevie tried to freeze out. And so I guess, you know, there's a little bit of that as well, but uh, it, does, it just shows the difference, I think, between uh, like an experienced manager, like a guy that has won European trophies and, you know, Gerard, maybe it's that thing where maybe they get too big an opportunity too soon and maybe mm. he should have made his name in the championship, like, you know, your Carricks are doing and stuff like that. Yeah. Emery has to be considered a pretty, you know, respected, highly respected manager. I think um, he's got he's got the records to his name now. I think maybe not at the big clubs where it hasn't worked out. I guess uh, kind of laughed out of PSG, perhaps harshly dealt with at Arsenal, but they were looking to to get Arteta. Um, but mm. goes off to Villarreal and does wonders for them in Europa League. He's won that comp a few times, hasn't he? Now it was two or three Is times. It four? Four, they might be four. For Emery? Yeah, that's that's crazy. So, um, yeah, highly respected manager and should be. Um, I'm going to segue it now into Arsenal if I can, um, in particularly in relation to the Villa game. But am I wrong in thinking here that Arsenal played pretty well 
and were probably deserving of at least a point in this. I thought they were the better team. Okay, better team? Yeah, I think potentially. Um, I think this was two performances where we saw Villa look at these two sides that have this Pep flair, you know, obviously Pep managing City, but Arteta, one of the one of the Guardiola disciples, yeah. as they've been called, where these are teams that like to just are probably good enough with with players like Saka, Martinelli, um, Harland, Alvarez, etc., to just get at these teams. And I've said before on this pod with City as well and and Arsenal that they're two teams that frustrate me because when they play the the smaller clubs, I feel like they could just bully them. Like if you just went at these teams instead of pissing around with the ball constantly, you could literally tear these teams to shreds. And at times they don't. Um, and this mm. really just struck me as Emery going. If you're going to piss around with the ball on the halfway line, just have it. Because I really, especially against Arsenal in this game, they really just let them have it. Um, and, and Arsenal, they played well. And I think you're right. I think they'll be disappointed that they didn't get a point out of this. And I think like, they're probably a little bit hard done by at the end of the game. To I not think get that goal. Like, it's one of those ones I think going in, if like you were to replay this game this week, I don't think Arsenal would want to change much at all. Like, they created the chance. Odegaard had a bit of an off one with his finishing. Um, there were some questionable decisions, in particular Douglas Lewis booting people up into the sky. Um, there's the goal, obviously, which is, I guess it's rightly disallowed because it has touched Havertz's hand, and that is the rule. Um, but it's just frustrating when it, it comes off a Villa hand first, but that's not considered handball because it doesn't lead to a goal for them, obviously, because it's at the other end of the park. And that's mm. just that just comes back to... Um, annoyance with the rules and the frustration with how the lack of common sense involved in these. Yeah. I like, I totally agree um, with the decisions made. It's a weird one that um, the foul on Jesus isn't given, given that you see, uh, or you saw earlier um, in the Liverpool game against, can't remember who commits the foul now, but the, the way Palace gets the pen, it's like pretty much the exact same foul. Yeah. And so you wonder why you can call on one day and not the next day. The handball thing, I'm just, I'm such, I'm at a loss. Yeah. I have no idea. Okay, sure, they've probably enacted the rules properly, but in that situation where it does come off of a Villa hand onto Havertz's hand, and then, you know, I was reading by somewhere a different the, player. Yeah, that's it. And I'm, I was reading somewhere if Enkedia is the one that actually knocks the ball in, it's not handball. And it, you just think, this is just fucked. This is the most yeah. ridiculous just interpretation of a yeah. rule. We just don't know, um, and it's it's incredibly frustrating because it is literally two different sets of rules based on whether you're an attacker or a defender, mm. isn't it? Um, very it's a two-tiered system, Sammy. It's probably not being called a penalty unless you are Newcastle against PSG and you're getting absolutely <laughs> robbed. Um, I want to keep going with Arsenal because obviously they Terrible. had that um, the seven-goal game at Luton where... Uh, lots of people making a big deal about this Arsenal kind of grinding. Like, they did grind it, but... Arsenal were completely dominant in this. They played Luton off the park. And I've mentioned David Ray's goalkeeping being suspect in the last couple of weeks. And here it was again. He was probably at fault at fault for two of the goals. Uh, maybe you could put some blame on Ben White for Ross Barkley's goal for not getting tight enough. But this is really all Luton created. Um, Arsenal completely dominated and just had to grind it out and get the... They scored four goals on the like away. They've done more than enough to win that game, I think. And it was... Thoroughly deserved that Declan Rice got the late goal. Or am I just being too Arsenal biased there? I, I just see, I think you're correct in played Luton off the park. I just see a little bit of concern for Arsenal in these last three results in which Wolves wasn't comfortable, Luton wasn't comfortable, 
and and Villa obviously dropped the points. Um, I mean, I'm just gonna. Was... Can I just go back to because mm. you said not comfortable against Wolves, but they were two one up. They did concede a late goal to make it closer, but even after that goal, there wasn't a lot of like there wasn't much panic at all. It was Arsenal was still pretty in control even at two one. But just the scoreline is tighter. But- who My is comfortable is, right now? Why are, we, why are we putting ourselves in these situations, though, is the sense. Because for the, the first 20 minutes of this game, Arsenal were, they could have scored 10. Wolves were nowhere near them for the first 20 mm. minutes of this game. And then it just stopped. It was, we're 2-0 up. Let's go into our shell. Let's let's preserve a little bit of energy. And then you let Wolves back in it late. And there there is that little bit of uncomfortability about it, obviously. You know, looking back yeah. on it, so we've given them seven minutes to equalise, and and then Kedia should have scored after the Wolves yeah. goal. So there's there's elements to it, and then we go to Luton and we win four three away, and we we should have won easily, but again we didn't. And then obviously played good, played well enough to to beat Villa in this game, but to at least get a point out of it away from home, but weren't able to get anything. And I just I, I wonder on what edge Arteta is on going into the Champions League game against PSV overnight whether he's thinking that we've, we've topped this group already maybe my guys need a little bit of a rest yeah or rinse. Or, or rinse do it or do i need to play my guys and try and put five past P- psv and find a little nah. bit more confidence but i don't think they already did that yeah i agree they've got six past lines I, I genuinely think that overnight arsenal even if it results in them losing need to these big boys i mean jesus has just come back from an injury sack has been played through his skin Erdegaard as well um and Martinelli too. They just they need to rest these guys. You and have to know, rest. Saliba could do with a rest, and I yeah, see. If you have I to s- play Ramsdale, play Ramsdale, and I see the um the best one. Yeah, I see all these Arsenal signs. As I, I just think they're just signs that they are they're well and truly in this title race. I think that you know on another day they beat Villa in that game. Maybe nine times out of ten, performing like that. Um. They, they at the end of the day they did get the three points against Luton and which we've seen Luton um they seem to show up against some big boys too they drew with Liverpool they've pushed City uh which I do want to get to now City obviously the loss to Villa one nil like uh you've we've kind of already covered that you talked about them um some of the stats Tommy that were really against City in that one uh, not some of Pep's best work in his career. Uh, but Luton, I guess they just had to find a way and grind out a win here just to get back into the winner's circle after a bit of a a little bit of a slump. Um, we saw Pep recently; he's been a bit agitated uh, with the the media and pundits saying um, that City perhaps have a little bit of complacency going on, um, not deliberate but subconscious complacency. You know, you come off of winning the league what three times in a row. Uh, won won a treble, like won the Champions League. Like, what do you, what more do you need to do? Uh, but they they were in a bit of a vulnerable spell, and they maybe just needed that three points to get get back to winning ways. That would be tough, wouldn't it, to pick yourself back up after a treble? Like, sure, that it takes a different kind of mentality at that point because it's like yeah. you strive, you strive, you achieve, and then it's like the mongrel. It's the absolute dynasty. It's the you know going out and bullying everyone every time it's, you play them. It's mentally tough to keep the foot down. Fuck week is. after week after week after week, and the amount of football that gets played these days, as well, it's I, I couldn't blame them for having any complacency. That's um, it. That's why. That's why the mental side is so apparent these days. I think is because of the sheer amount of football they you know have to play. We were talking pre pod about the the new podcast with um I can't remember what it's called. If you can remember the name, uh, are you talking about the Carragher Gary yeah, Neville stick yeah. to football? Yeah, stick to football. So oh. Cara, Cara Gary Neville um. 
losing my mind here, Keeney and Ian Wright. Um, yeah, let's not plug and, him too much. And Keenan, <laughs> listen to this pod first. <laughs> and Keenan Wright spoke at length about the hungriest they ever were in their careers was when they won a title, and then they didn't win a title, and then mm. they wanted it back. Yeah. And City won a title, then had the season where where Liverpool came in and and, and pit one off them, and then have just been relentless since. And and I just wonder whether it was they won it, they got all the glory then it was taken away from them for 12 months and they went, fuck that, we want this again. And now they've gone and achieved absolutely everything they possibly can, whether there just is that little bit of competitive burnout on the end of them, whether they're not willing to look themselves in the mirror and go, fuck, how badly do we want this again? Or or how hard can we work to get it again? And I said during the week that a a massive concerning thing for me is um, Palace and Liverpool during the week, um, Liverpool were in a shitty situation at halftime. The halftime whistle went. Jurgen Klopp turned around and sprinted into the changing room. Obviously, get there ahead of your players. Give them a spray. Do whatever you need to do at halftime. Um, City went in to the change rooms. 1-0 down to Luton at halftime uh, on Monday at Kenilworth. Pep was screaming at a ref. Pep, Pep spent five minutes of the first five minutes of the halftime break screaming in Tim Robinson's ear, the referee, as he tried to walk off the pitch. You're 1-0 down to a team that stadium holds 11,000 people. They've oh. never been near the Premier League. They have no money. You have this squad. They're in the Premier all, League. All your millions. Sorry, the, in, the, in the Premier League now, but never been there before. This guy fucking the hates stadium, Luton. Hey. The stadium capacity in, has nothing to do with what What the point I'm trying to make here is you are versing <laughs> in Pep's tenure in this competition and maybe in any competition where he's played where he's managed one of the big dogs, he's versing probably the smallest club he has ever come up against. And he went into a halftime break, one nil down at him. And instead of fucking trying to manage his way out of it, because he's supposed to be so brilliant or razz up his billions of dollars worth of players. He went to the fucking bloke with a whistle and screamed in his ear. Like it was all his fault. Well, did they win? Did they they did turn around and win, but is there any accountability from any of these guys? I don't think so. They, um, you know, they're not used to losing and it's it comes out when they're not getting well, their own way. Pep, we do see Pep get grizzly from time to time and get agitated. Um, well, Klopp, yeah. Klopp didn't come out after the Palace game and say the only reason we won is because of a soft red card. Did you want him to? No, there was nothing. Well, that's what I mean. So you're talking about is there was any a soft red card? There were two bookable yellows. Oh, you're right. We're, we're going to get to that in a sec, but just before we do... Um, I just want to. I just can't believe that after all that, for some unknown reason, Cooper had to get another dig at Kenilworth Road in. <laughs> <laughs> just had to take a pot shot at Luton's ground. Like Luton's ground is just sitting there copping strays. Like, what did I do? We have I, been. I, to... It's not my fault. Pep screamed at the ref. <laughs> We've, it's not my fault. People can peer into me when I'm yeah. fucking hosting a game. Jeez. We've been to far worse stadiums than Kenilworth Road and enjoyed them. Um. Luton, though, do I don't know if either of you have anything to say, to say on oh. Luton. I guess I was just going to say that they, um, you know, two they scored some goals against scored three against Arsenal and one against City. But at the end of the day, they've come away with zero points from yeah. those games. Where I is just, this? I, how insane is Ross Barkley though? He's I don't. Really I'm here for, for this arc. I'm here for been, the Ross been Barkley really, arc. really good for Luton. Yeah, Com- yeah. completely agree. No, his um, footwork in the in the goal against City, unbelievable. For a team that has picked up a point against Liverpool, had a, a rough one-goal loss to Arsenal, and 
and tried their best to hold on to a lead against City and lost by one goal. How have they got nine points in this league? Where is this? Are they, are they playing grand finals against these these big big dogs? They're like, oh my Chelsea god, Chelsea in reverse. Let's, let's try our hearts out. <laughs> well, not but, that far in reverse. But then they play fucking Burnley and can't win a game. Like, yeah, these uh, guys need their grand finals need to be against the other relegation candidates. Maybe they just it's sad, maybe isn't it? maybe it's because their stadium's too small for you. <laughs> I don't know. To get the uh, atmosphere going. Cooper, here we go. I'm going to give you maybe 30 seconds to a minute to quickly talk about Liverpool. I think uh, just kind of summarising two games, Sheffield 2-0, Palace 2-1 after a rotten first half against Palace. But um, just two kind of professional performances, I guess you'd say, in the end. Doing yeah. what needed to be done. Um, surviving, I would say. Um, I think Sheffield a lot more professional than than Palace. Palace was a little bit concerning. Um but I think it's just one of those they'll be happy that they got the three points and and they'll hope that they can move on because it's a, it's a tough fixture run now. Um, I don't think, dependent on their their result tomorrow morning, Man United against Bayern could have huge implications on on how hard Man United come to live come at Liverpool when they come to Anfield um, next weekend. But but that's not a gimme game. That's a serious danger game for Liverpool. So they'll be yeah. hoping they can find a little bit more form than what they've had. Did did you have any concern at uh, half time. I know it was nil all. I I do need to mention actually that half time of the Palace Liverpool game. I remember just thinking that was that was the worst half of football that I'd seen this season. And uh, the second half was much different. Um, just more Liverpool in control a lot more, but Palace being able to do something on the counter at times and really cause them some danger. Whereas the first half was just a stalemate of two sides that were really sloppy and poor on the ball. Yeah, um, I think Liverpool's biggest concern at the moment is they don't have an informed forward. Um, Diogo Jota not being yeah. there means that there's not enough depth to move around. It's not absolutely happening for Cody Gakpo at the moment. Luis Diaz is, is has been so out of it ever since. I mean, the understandably, the understandably so thing, yeah. the whole dad got kidnapped thing. Darwin <laughs> Nunez is probably our most informed forward in every aspect, apart from finding the back of the net. And most sellers, our most informed forward in the aspect of finding the back of the net, but yeah. every other part of his game for the last month has I been think, atrocious. Um, yeah, we've done a lot of Liverpool the last few weeks. So I'm going to move it on, but Diego uh, Diogo Jota is just so key to this team, I think. Um, Sheffield, Brentford and Palace, I've got here grouped together. I don't know if we want to talk about all their results. They're kind of Sheffield. Uh, what did Sheffield do? They had Palace. They won. They fucking won. They, they, did. won. they, they beat Brentford and... They lost to Liverpool 2-0. So just a standard week down at Sheffield, I think. Uh, nice goal to win it against Brentford. Was it McAtee? Uh, it was a cross. Ah, uh, no, nah, we're giving it to him. That was a shot. <laughs> um, I don't know if you've got anything to say about either of these three teams, Sheffield, Brentford, Palace. Brentford, I guess, just nowhere near the excitement that we had him last yeah. year before. I reckon just on Sheffield, them being able to, you know, probably eclipse Derby's points total just shows how it's never going to be broken. Like... How Sheffield bad United Derby were. Yeah. No, yeah. I think Sheffield are on par with how bad Derby were, and they're still going to pick up maybe 16 to 20 points this so. season. Um, them and Burnley only need one more point to go to hit it. So so grim. Yeah. Cooper, anything on those three? No, just a good great result for Sheffield. Um, like you said, Brentford, they're gonna be an interesting one. Brian Embuemo is gonna miss a little bit of a period for them. So they're gonna go no Tony, no Embuemo for the first time in Huge. multiple seasons now. Yeah. So they could they could really struggle. Did you hear that, Tommy? Get him out of our fantasy team. I'm going to move it on. Bournemouth, 
We need to talk Bournemouth because <laughs> they picked up six points last week. A 2 0 win away to Palace, which, as we saw with the Liverpool game, wasn't an easy visit. Uh, despite, I think Palace are pretty, pretty shit. But um, they're, they're doing sorry. that thing again. They're pretty this ordinary, season. but they can they can just cause enough trouble at home. They're tricky yeah. at Selhurst, uh, but still very much beatable. Bournemouth uh, okay. then went to Old Trafford and blew United away 3-0. They had a fourth disallowed for a, another one of those handballs that has no effect on whether he scores or not, and it's innocuous. But they still they, they blew United away. Yep, four wins in the last five. Uh, Areola is brewing something tasty right now with like a really average Bournemouth side. Despite, you know, the amount of money and the, yeah. you know, the, the influx of uh players that these you know lower 10 to 20 sides can bring in i still think bournemouth have one of the most average sides outside of the promoted teams definitely um and so for him to be able to get a tune out of them as he is it shows that if you give time to like a philosophy manager so to speak you know the results will probably come in the end and they'll end up marooning themselves mid-table and doing okay yep maintaining it is always hard because clubs like that are going to have they're going to fluctuate. Pretty, they're going to have a lot of player turnover each year and stuff as well. And the players they've got maybe aren't at the caliber to do it week in, week out. Mm. Um, but for the, just, for the moment, they've just got to enjoy it. If you're a Premier League manager managing a team that's trying to survive relegation, there should be genuine images of this Bournemouth squad sitting on your wall because this is the recipe <laughs> to surviving relegation in the Premier League. It's an experienced goalkeeper in Neto, a back yep. four that isn't great, but it's good enough to to outplay the forwards of relegation side. It, is, it isn't great, all right. A, <laughs> a, a, mid, a midfield boot built of, of two guys in Lewis Cook and Ryan Christie that sit in front of the back four and kick the piss out of anyone that comes near yeah. them. Yeah. I would not hear in, a bad word about Lewis Cook. Three, three guys in Antoine's. Antoine Semenya, Justin Clivert, and Marcus Tavernier, who are great fast outlet options and yeah. can put a ball in the box, and Dominic Solanke, who can finish. Uh, Justin Clivert, now there's a career that never went where I thought it would. <laughs> <laughs> Coming through at Roma as a youngster, like this is this guy is one of the hot new talents in the world, and he's just uh, he's popped up. Now he's at Bournemouth. The bright, the bright lights. Um, it's a big city. I think we're all here for the. Just like we said about Ross Barkley, we're all here for the Dominic Solanke, aren't we? Yeah. We're all I mean, in on Coop, that. Coop shouted him out a couple of weeks ago, not on the yeah, pod. Last week, I think. He, he didn't want to seem like too big of a genius, oh. I guess, to the public. But he's like, Dom Solanke, really good third striking option for FPL coming up. And bang, bang, bang. Yeah. If this, was a, if, if this was a proper pod, I would have how many goals he scored. I reckon it's nine, I think now. Three? Three oh, in the last five? Like Three in the last... Great. Three in the last five, eight this season when he only had 18 prior. Was in his eight Premier for the League. season last week. 18 prior in his Premier League career off 112. Yeah. Could be on stats. There you go. Here he comes. Dominic Solanke. That's the... The late bloomer. Here he comes. I'm just all, I'm all in for it. I Let's can't go. wait. Can't wait for Chelsea to sign him for 40 million. I'm well, still just, I'm we'll still just waiting for, for Jordan Ibe to kick on. Uh, don't, <laughs> don't wait be, any longer, I reckon. He'll be playing left back at Adelaide United before you know it. Uh, Oh, hope not. Um, Man United, let's go to them. A win at home to Chelsea 2-1. We obviously just mentioned Bournemouth. Uh, I want to go back to Cooper. Mentioned this before, the, the stick-to-football guys. I pulled this out. They went through the United squad and decided who they should ditch, who they should keep, and who is on a last straw. <laughs> and now I found this one interesting because I, I I think we're guilty of... Uh, I, I, McTominay, Scott McTominay, right? Pops up with the double against Chelsea. 
is this guy a player that when they win, he pops up? All these guys on Stick to Football, they they said last draw. That caught me off guard. McTominay, when mm. they win, he pops up with goals. We talk about him saving them, but he doesn't receive the equally deserved criticisms when the team loses. Mm. Is that fair? And is it just one of those signs that if McTominay is one of your better players, that means your squad is in trouble? I kind of agree with it just because... I think Bentomine plays in such a way that doesn't complement the other guys that are picked around him. Okay. So when he does win games on his own back, he looks great, but he's not necessarily the one called out when, you know, Fernandes or whoever else is yep. not doing the shit they should do. Fair. Yeah. Um, I think he's last straw because a lot of United supporters and, and pundits are looking at it like your last two months have been really great to watch, but you've had 140 horrific performances before that. And we're going to need to see a little <laughs> bit more before you're completely mm. off the park bench. Yeah. I think, like I said before, I think it also comes back to when they lose these games that he's not the one copying the criticism. It's always like your Bruno or Harry or uh, poor old Onana. Um, well, I want to say, they picked up the win against Chelsea and obviously were battered by Bournemouth. But did United actually play any good last week? No. At all that, was, that, that was a terrible game. The the Man United Chelsea game was it was it was two hopeless teams. It looked like two horrible aging relics fighting on Twitter. Like two yeah. people desperate for any kind of attention. I just And they're they're just garbage. Yeah. They're both garbage. If I can keep going, um I watched this whole game. Chelsea, uh, Man United all over them. And it was like, oh, how have they not scored? How have they not gone 1-0 up? But at the same time, as much as they were creating all these chances, every time Chelsea counterattacked, it looked like Chelsea should have scored. But they were just so like... Chelsea were breaking with four on twos, but then Mudrick would like kick the ball behind someone or like they would just <laughs> miss a pass in the final third and not get a shot away. Or like it, it just... I can't believe... United should have scored so many goals with the chances they created. Um, but equally, Chelsea should have been able to put the pressure on and get something out of that by scoring goals of their own on the counter. It was just horrible. This is like the the great tweet that we saw during the week. is like, Raul Jimenez can't remember what he ate for breakfast, and yet he's still outscoring Rasmus Holland somehow. <laughs> um, to me, this was two very, very average football sides trying to put on what they thought was a top six spectacular show. Perfect. They played like, they. hey, hold on, this is Man United and Chelsea. We have to go at each other. We have mm. to provide a spectacle. But no one on the park is capable of providing a spectacle. But I really respect that. I would prefer to see teams try and do this to one another. It's just hilarious when neither can, you know, finish the product that they're trying to build. I think I, it just, just wild. It strikes me as a sort of game where United were clearly, clearly are, I think the table proves as well. They are a better team than Chelsea right now. And they played that way. However, we also saw the dark side of United, like I said, and just that I don't know how you can be so, just have so much of the ball in attack and look so dangerous while equally having so many holes. It's concerning. And if, they were playing against a side that was any better in the attacking third, like we saw on the weekend when they played Bournemouth. And Bournemouth come out and basically do what Chelsea did, except they they put three goals in the net. Yeah, well, four maybe four, <laughs> just a loud one. Can I can I um ask if if they are bundled out of the Champions League tomorrow morning? Mm-hmm. How many goals do Liverpool have to beat United by on the weekend for Eric Ten Hag to be out the door on Monday morning? Us. 
four. I, I just I don't reckon they sack him. No matter. I don't what. think they sack him either. I no. saw a tweet that said, uh, one to four goals sacked. Um, sorry, one to four goals safe. Um, five to seven goals sacked. Eight plus goals safe. Jeez, are Liverpool <laughs> capable of putting that many goals in at the moment? Though is the question. You know, well, I'm so Nunes hat trick. The ultimate, the ultimate Liverpool pessimist in me says that this is such a danger game and that I'm terrified yeah. that they're going to come to Anfield and get a result that we shouldn't be letting them get at the yeah. moment. Um, I would also, if I could not be pessimistic and, and more optimistic, I'd love to think that United come to Anfield and play our entire front three back into form. Yeah, oh, that'd, that'd be, be nice. handy. What did you beat them last time? Seven goals? Last season, 7-0, yeah. Yeah, yeah huge. Good happen. Um, I want to keep going. Chelsea, just very quickly, obviously, losing to United 2-1. Uh, they lost to Everton 2-0, who we're going to talk about Everton next because they're on a bit of a comeback run. Uh, but I just wanted to ask you very quickly, your reaction, Tommy and Cooper, I guess, uh, to Potch saying he needs to go do stuff in the transfer market after he signed 15 players for himself. Mm, did he sign them or were they he signed, well thrusted upon, upon him? Either way. I like how Potch tried to really delicately like code this, his desire for new players by insisting yeah. we somehow need to improve our reality. Like, what does that mean? Your reality as the man takes another giant dump in his diamond encrusted toilet, wiping his overpaid ass with like 100 pound notes. This guy is, he, you don't live in reality, mate. Are you talking about Potch or the owner? Potch. I mean, for him to come out and try and misconstrue reality, bro. Yeah. No, no football team has ever spent more money in in the history of football than what you have done. And you, you're supposed to be the mastermind. Yeah. Get a tune out of them. I get the injuries. I get the um, so many new players. But like, it's it's December now. Like, when is it gonna? When well, are we you gonna see something? Yeah. That's what I hate so much about the complaints about. Hold on, we have so many new players. You fucking bored them. If you thought well, that, that is happened, I. This, I don't what, reckon he did. This is what Tom's alluding to before. And yeah. We saw this is what happened when um, Todd Bowley took over Chelsea. Is it felt like he was just playing football manager and he was the one going out and picking out which players they wanted to sign. You know, not necessarily the manager, and the manager hasn't necessarily targeted those. But that's not to left. I don't. I don't want to let Potch off the hook though. There because he still has fifteen new players and they have some very good players. Um, he's still got Nkunku to come back. Um, they do have the injuries, but they they should be playing some sort of fucking tune. And at the moment, they can't even get three blind mice out on a recorder. This this Chelsea team that that went out on the weekend is a, a far superior team to the Everton eleven. There there was four hundred million pounds spent in the last two transfer windows in their midfield alone. Yeah, like there's yeah, no. But you know, Everton no did also cheat to get their team that. too. They've spent a bit of cash. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's can we can we talk Everton? Um, big bounce back. I feel like we've been probably way too harsh on them. We, Tommy and I especially have said they were awful and <laughs> just a disgrace of a team and it's a miracle they weren't going down. And then they cop 10 but points. They, like they surely are now. They but are not, not going down and they're not. Oh. And they're playing decent football. Um, they're actually okay to watch. Um, and they've put away five goals last week and kept two clean sheets against uh, Newcastle and... I know they're mid-table, but Chelsea. Did we? Well, um, Everton should be above them, all things considered. If if Everton hadn't lost their ten points, and if they if they challenge this and get their ten points back, they're a game outside the European slots. Yeah. If, oh, they could get the Everton trophy. I don't if, think they're <laughs> winning any challenges on this one, just based on what I heard from um, 
I listened to a piece of David Ornstein, <laughs> and I don't think there's any any chance they get it back. But um, yeah, it, this is that team again that Abdullah Decore playing half as a midfielder, half as a forward, scoring yep. in both these games. And this is both of these wins are with Dominic Calvert Lewin in absolutely yeah. dreadful form too. I'm not sure if you saw his miss from about three yards against Newcastle. He's been shocking during the Joker. week, but he's been yeah. absolutely terrible. And they're still Everton are, Everton are winning these games with 10 men. Like, it's unreal. <laughs> um, oh, I'm going to keep it moving. Uh, we've still got a bit to get through, but we'll go to Newcastle. Um, obviously, losing to Everton 3 0. Uh, the Spurs game, they lost 4 1 at the, at the new Tottenham Stadium. Now, Trippier, I. <laughs> Was pretty. I'm every week. I'm pretty big on Trippier. I still think he is the best right back in the league. Um, and I know I defended him pretty staunchly last week. But tell me if this is fair or not, or if I'm clutching at straws to say that this guy uh, looks like he probably needs a rest. Trippier has played. I went through these stats. He's played all but 45 minutes of the football Newcastle have played in the Premier League this season. In round six, he came off with 20 minutes to go, and in round nine, he came off with 20 minutes to go. And he came off with five minutes to go on the weekend against Spurs. Other than that, he's played every minute of the Premier League. He's played every minute of their five Champions League games. And this includes nine games over the last five weeks. Does Is there some, like, I don't know. Is is that being too nah, unreasonable? No, nah, he needs a fair? spell. He needs a spell for sure. I mean, it's too much football. And we've seen him get rinsed a couple of times now in the last couple of games. You, I mean, uh, very uncharacteristic mistakes. That's it. That's it's it. So, it's, like, it's stuff you wouldn't expect. Yeah, defensive reliability. You know, but him. given given Newcastle want to play Lewis Miley and like give young guys a go, why not put Lewis Hall in and like give rotate, give the guys a go? Like we we talked about this last week about whether Newcastle's um, depth of their squad, how they would go in the Premier League. I think that would still go pretty well, and I just Eddie Howe's he has to shift sometimes and actually rotate. Yeah. Yeah, um, I saw the statistic being spoken about that you're speaking about on Twitter during the week, and I actually have a screenshot of it here, Sam. Son Heung-min has played more more minutes of football in the Premier League this season than Kieran Trippier has, and he still tore him a new asshole for 90 minutes in this game, so I'm not okay. convinced he has that much of an excuse. Um, okay. There was a bit of talk about it during the week about the the time. Remove all other variables. The, uh, I just I was going to say, Son does far less work than a Kieran yeah. Trippier would do in a game. Trippier is also like... Carrying a lot of the leadership pressure in that team. Well, Sonny's captain well. too, but yeah, come on, they've got a good team. They've got a great coach. Uh, I, I'd argue that Son's captain of the team that's been under the microscope more than any other club in the Premier League this season so far by an absolute mile. There is especially they've been cruising two or a few weeks ago. More UK, than United, really. Even even when they were playing well, UK press wise, these pundits love to hate on Tottenham because of Ange, and we spoke about it last week. They absolutely love to. Um. I just don't – there was a bit of talk during the week about the, the Newcastle tired situation. And is it – for professional athletes, is it really that big of an excuse? Absolutely, you, I think it really, is. Are you really this tired before Christmas? Well, absolutely, when you I think it when, is. When you can't blood dope, sure. We're talking about – we just talked about City and complacency before and we're talking about these guys are playing week after week after week after week after week. They're playing in the international breaks. They're, they're playing for England or whoever they're – you know, whatever nation they're attached to. Um, it's so much football. And I think it's natural for players to have a down spells. And I think managers need to take notice of it. And, you know, that's, I don't want to excuse Trippier from his mistakes. He's still fucked up. He still had, 
he still had two bad games, but um, you know, there, there's a manager in charge that can make calls as well. And I, I just think it's been too easy this week for people to jump on the bandwagon of thinking Trippier can't play football, which is just ridiculous. And I'm getting defensive of him. Yeah. And as you should back your boy up. I mean, he's a good footballer. He's one of the best fullbacks in the world, probably, but he definitely needs a spell. Um, you know, outside of that, I thought Spurs were still pretty good in this game. Um, Basuma and Salah give Spurs such like a great base to work from. Mm. And for me, um, Saar is kind of emblematic of what Michael Owen was talking about. And it's like a guy that can cover hell ground and make the short passes that he needs to make. But like he does it so well. And so when it, you know, when it works in that in that partnership, like bang. Yeah, definitely. Um, we'll just continue on with Spurs, I guess, then losing two under West Ham, beating Newcastle. Um, they probably played similar to like Arsenal with Villa, but I think Newcastle definitely played well enough to beat West Ham. West Ham just what that what they have two chances and twenty percent of the ball and nicked a result just not really clinical enough but then beating Newcastle four one a great way for Ange to bounce back feel like he he really needed that one yeah big time and you saw the reaction on the on the sidelines when the um uh, I think was it the Romero assist that goes in and he goes over and he hugs him and he gives uh, him it's a- not Romero it's Pedro Porro Pedro yeah, Pedro, Pedro Porro sorry yeah. Gives him a big, uh, you know, big exchange. That's Romero's too busy trying to two-foot everyone. Oh, my God. I was going to say, Romero, the fucking lunatic Psychopath. man. He's literally, he's going to fuck somebody up, like, really soon. And I, it's such a shame it wasn't Anthony Gordon, but hopefully it's someone <laughs> that I'm Why? not a big Why do you want him to take Anthony Gordon out? <laughs> he's got one of the most punchable faces in the league. I just oh, I hate this smug little cunt. <laughs> Oh, why have you seen Oh, him? no. Why did you see him? Oh. Because I was going to say Albino, and then I was like, that's way more offensive. Been really friendly on here uh, till now. I'm uh, I'm here for the Richarlison arc. Yeah, let's um, go. Oh, it's I'm not so, an arc. I'm yes, so coming. here for it. Oh, we so said this man. We said this at the end of last season. It's coming. So he's, good. He's still in the age bracket where he can make <laughs> it happen, and it's going to happen. If I have to believe in, I don't have to, but I'm choosing to believe in Darwin Nunez, as long as he doesn't do any stupid haircuts, then I have to also believe in Richarlison, oh, and they're both R- going to make it happen. Richarlison's head isn't dumb as it is. No way. It's not happening. These are the two, they're the two most overrated guys playing up front for big teams. In the I don't world know if they're so. overrated. No one rates them right now. I decided I, their managers on, rate them. I decided on the weekend, Sam, that I either want Richarlison to succeed, or if he does have to fail, I want him to fail and end up at Leeds. <laughs> That's so hateful That's of you. So cruel. <laughs> Why are you wishing that on Leeds? What did they do to you? I'm surprised you're not wishing him upon Kenilworth Road at Luton. <laughs> Like, not even to play for Luton, just for him to sit, sit in the grandstand. Sit in the stand. There's, can you imagine if Luton, if Luton signed Richarlison? There's there's not enough seats in that stadium for all the people that would want to see a footballer of Richarlison's ability play. <laughs> oh Bobby. come on! You just you're just mean. Yeah, I don't exactly. know why. You just, just you're pandering to the, the lowest just, common denominator yeah, now. A big club bully. I support Liverpool. Fuck small clubs. That's what your that's your mentality, isn't it? What a joke. Um, what have we just done? We just did Spurs. What have I got left? I don't have a heap left. I guess I just wanted to do... I've got West Ham and Fulham here, and I've put mm. these two together because uh, Fulham, they did play each other. Fulham winning 5-0. Um, West Ham also won. They beat Spurs 2-1, but 
like we just said before, did not play particularly well at all. They've been on a bit of a slide and just really two contrasting teams to watch at the moment. It was a funny old game, wasn't it? I guess like Fulham, well, I don't know where this has come from. They've got five different goal scorers, five different assist makers in the 5-0 win over West Ham, like a proper straight flush performance. After beating Nottingham Forest 5-0 a few days earlier. Yeah. I mean, this was a team that only had, I think it was 10 goals from 12 games before their recent run. Yeah. Now all of a sudden they've got a, a positive goal difference. It's just, it's come from nowhere. And I can't, this is the one that I can't put my finger on. I, I really like Fulham. I think they're good. I've enjoyed watching them play, especially against Liverpool. I thought that was a really good game, but I don't know how it's happened. Since we're doing the uh, the arcs today and we've got Dominic Solanke, we've got, um, who else did we say? We said Solanke from Bournemouth, Ross Barkley at Luton. Ross Barkley, yeah. Um, I'm at, we're, Cooper and I are adding in Richarlison. And uh, <laughs> here we have Raul Jimenez back from uh, just about being killed in a football game. Uh, like actually killed, not like, like Harvey Elliott killed. Killed. was dead. Yeah. yeah, Harvey Elliott pretending he like people acting like he was killed at Ellen Road. Um, Raul Jimenez actually could have died, and he's back <laughs> scoring goals. And I'm all for it. I'm back. I love him. I love him too. I think it's yeah, great. A big Mexican. I um I'm convinced it was when Australia played and we gave him that goal. The the was it Sutar and Ryan mix up yeah. and he just he said on the pod and... that we played him into form. Yeah, we played we, him. We into ignored form. you. Yeah, well, ignore me at your peril. Cooper shook his head and laughed. Um, Cooper, have you got anything on Fulham, West Ham? Maybe, no, no, no. Alex, Alex Awobi's playing well. Willian, still running around. What do you got? Um, Fulham have doubled their season tally of goals in their last three games. So 26, 26 for the season, 13 in their last three. Yeah, love that. Imagine being a Fulham fan and uh Fulham, 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 Fulham. Sounds right. Imagine being a Fulham fan and you're like, you've made your way down and you get to your couple games a year and the couple games you get to are Forest and West Ham. You see 10 goals scored at home in a, in a matter of days. I'd be renewing Unreal. my season ticket as um, soon as I left after that. Um, West Ham, quick. Moyes, is he out? Oh, is sure. Can I just finish? I, yeah. I heard a stat earlier. Uh, it was on somewhere on X. You know, you know how it is. You're just scrolling and scrolling, and there's all sorts of shit popping up. Uh, the first time Fulham have scored more than three goals in consecutive uh, Premier League games, or scored three or more goals in consecutive top flight games since okay. the 60s, like the 1961 60s. or something. Yeah, someone can Google Google fact check that, but that's what I that's what I read. Holy shit! So there you go. I mean, that's when acid was legal. Like that's how old that was. Sure. West Ham, you were going to say? I just, uh, come on. He's got to go, right? Moyes, come on. It's just, this Does is ridiculous. Does he have to go? This is such a terrible team. Like mm. sometimes I was so confident on them preseason and then sometimes they play okay. They are but, ninth. Yeah, but. Oh, I just, Do they have any right to be sacking a manager over being ninth, West Ham? I think when you've got someone like Graham Potter that's sticking his hand up and putting himself back out for jobs. He's being linked to all sorts of championship jobs right now. Yeah. Why would you not bring a guy like that? That in? would be, he does not deserve to be managing in the championship. Apparently but he's after the Sunderland job. If only because of stupidity in leaving Brighton for that Chelsea job that was cursed. Do mm. um, you know what's really doing me in at the moment? With, doing uh, you with the Kenilworth Road? With the economy. <laughs> with yeah. West Ham. Is Capitalism. That I'm constantly seeing these 
these videos of West Ham supporters at away games. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sitting ninth in the Premier League playing utter dog shit football to watch. Oh, they're not having fun, are they? Oh, hold on. Singing. Do they have any right to be singing Champions of Europe? You'll never sing that off the back of winning the Conference League. I would be. To Fulham. I'd be leaning to anybody that. To anybody that will listen. <laughs> I'd be... I would not be half surprised if a bunch of these 16-year-olds go to Nottingham Forest and sing Champions of Europe and sing that about a, over a Conference League title. Um, I'd be leaning into it and just making the most of it and having all the fun in the world with that, wouldn't you? Surely. Imagine like, if that was Adelaide, we'd be, you know. Yeah, but it's not if, if we won the AFC me. Cup. Um, are they? I'm trying to think. Did <laughs> did they actually win anything in Europe? Fulham or did they? No, nah, they the lost. Final? They lost two finals. They lost the Europa League final. Yeah. They lost an Inter Toto Cup final. Yeah, which may as well be the Conference League. It may so as well they're be. Similar. Yeah. They're similar. The Conference League is a new competition, and I don't think that you should be bragging about it as yet. Uh, it says, oh, sorry, they won the Intertoto Cup, it says. Well, but it also says, I, I'm not completely familiar with how the Intertoto Cup works, <laughs> but the top line on Wikipedia says, do a deep dive. The 2002 UEFA Intertoto Cup finals were won by Malaga, Fulham, and Stuttgart. And. Three three teams were champions. Three champions. And all three of them advanced to the UEFA Cup. Don't anyone ask me how it worked. Do you want me to run through some uh, of the teams in this, actually? Could you? Yeah, do it. Here we go. I'm going to... Let's play this. I'll say the name of the team. You guess where they're from. Uh, Rijeka. Croatia. Yep. Uh, Lockerin. That was dangerous. Um, uh, Lithuania. Sweden. Uh, they're from Belgium. Uh, Wit, Georgia. 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 From Georgia. Yeah, you got that. Santa Clara. That's Santa Clara. USA. <laughs> you wait for Intertoto. Barbados. Uh, Portugal. Chirac from uh, Armenia. Uh, we've got Gloria Bistrita from Romania. We've got Union Luxembourg. We've got a team from Bosnia that I cannot pronounce. Uh, pronounce even. even. Oh, my pronounce. God. This Bruce is, is Bruce is eleven. This is off tap. Sinot from the Czech Republic, a team called Constructorul Chiabertu from that looks like Andorra, Moldova. Wowie, this is off tap. Budapest Honved, Hungary. Uh, where's so? The- I was going to mention that Leeds won one of these, but it's yeah, obviously on. not a big deal, is it? Can, can Did I they? Just- yeah, how many teams were Leeds champions with? Uh, it must have been five. I t- I can't. I always I just assume we won it on our own, but apparently there's just not. a variety of teams from countries like um there's a team here from Northern Ireland called Coleraine. There's a team from Malta, it's Estonia, place, is it? Estonia, Latvia. The there's a team from the Faroe Islands. I reckon we could get a gig if we went over. Can that I lost eleven one to St. Gallen. Can I read this out to you? Um, yeah, let's go. The UEFA Intertoto Cup from Latin, inter meaning between, and German toto meaning betting pool, yeah. originally oh, called the International kidding. Football Cup, was a summer football competition between European clubs. Now, Early. this was uh, this was a UEFA tournament played in pre-season between clubs considered to be smaller clubs in the European landscape, and they played off against each other in pre-season for cash prizes. It doesn't nice. make sense why Leeds was in it then. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, Leeds, they were just looking for the cash prize for no reason. I've got actually here, oh, we're going to play another game just spontaneously. 2002 Intertoto Cup on Wikipedia. It's got the attendances of the games in the first leg. I would like you to have a guess. We'll do higher or lower for the attendance. Tommy, you goes first for the lowest, the, the lowest attendance. Oh, okay. The lowest attendance, 400 people. Uh, lower. 156. Lower. Oh, fuck off. 80. 80 people. <laughs> it's higher. There's a game here between <laughs> Bronjo from um, from Bosnia against the mighty Zurich. Oh, yeah. Um, FC Zurich. Yeah. And it was in Kuchluk, uh, somewhere in Bosnia, and the attendance was a, supposedly 138. This is your wafer sanctioned thing. This um this cup genuinely existed for the purposes of gambling, as it says here, the cup build itself <laughs> as providing both an opportunity for clubs who otherwise would not get the chance to enter the wafer cup yeah. as an, and as an opportunity for sports lotteries, better known as gambling, to continue throughout the summer. Uh, I'm glad yeah, that right. I'm glad that never took hold so in the sporting landscape. I'm scrolling through and it feels very league cup where bigger teams come in as they go on. So like second round, that's where we've got like our the likes of Bate Borisov and eighteen sixty Munich come in. Fulham heavyweights, Ghent, Stuttgart, uh, two of the winners. Uh, where's Malaga? They're not in yet. Oh, easy run, easy run. In the, in the <laughs> they they just played in the final. They came into the third. They did. They come in the third round. Yeah, easy. Torino coming in in the third round. There you go. Little um, did we know when Malaga came to Adelaide that we had Inter Toto Cup <laughs> champions running around on the Hello Turf to find Marsh. Jeez, we should, we should have made scarves. I can't wait to make some TikToks about the Inter Toto Cup. Just some trivia. We'll bring Let's some on the pod. We'll do some trivia on the pod for Inter Toto Cup. We should we should live stream a replay of one of the classic finals. Which final of which year? Like, there's three finals apparently. Of which winner? And let our we'll yeah. let our we'll let our viewers gamble on it in the spirit of the Intertoto Cup. <laughs> yeah, no one knows who won. So they had. <laughs> I don't know how there were three finals. I don't know how it works. I don't want to know how it works. We'll just quickly finish off this Premier League chat. Uh, the last three teams. Actually, there's four teams we haven't mentioned that. I don't know if you either of you have any notes on either of these. I'll just run through them: Wolves, Brighton, and then a little further down is Forest. Further down again is Burnley. Uh, what can we say about any of these? Anyone? They're all really hard to watch at the moment. They're all yeah. really hard to bet on. Yeah. I think Wolves strike me as a little dangerous. I like them. I think they're a you good know? team. I, 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 don't love, I really love Hwang. Yeah. I think Hwang's awesome. And Cunha's, Cunha's a great watch. Cunha's sick. I saw yeah. some old clips of him playing for... Um, shit, I can't remember now. Someone in Holland. Uh, yep. RZ, I don't know. what. Akma. Akma, yeah, it might have been, yeah, yeah. RZ, yeah. Um, and he just, he looked insane. And, like, yeah. I don't think we've seen that part of him yet in the Prem, but if he, if he yeah. does tap into that, he'll be really fun to watch. The, the gloss has really worn off of Brighton at the moment. They beat Brentford 2-1, but we already talked about Brentford being pretty poor, and they drew with Burnley 1-0, which is a pretty gross result. That's dog shit. But they're going through in their European groups. So I think that's, that's the main yep. thing. Cooper, anything else? No, that's all from me. Cool. Um, I'm not even going to bother with the rest of Europe right now. We've we've talked plenty, I think, about the Premier League this week. Um, stay tuned. Hopefully another really good week of fixtures coming up. It's been a good few weeks, so we're surely due a bit of a dud round. Um, 
Stay tuned. We're gonna do. We're gonna stick on a bit and record an Adelaide United Red edition. That'll probably hit your feed sometime around Wednesday night, Thursday morning. Adelaide with one of the, just an atrocious display at home. I think I'll call it against you're Brisbane lost, Raw. You lost so, the words, mate. Oh man, tune in for that one. Enjoy. Have a great week, folks, and see you later. Enjoy. Bye.